towards night. The steady dripping of Linelm's silver blood from the gash on his shoulder filled the room with echo. You were aware. You've been here for hours, the air in this room too stagnant to be comfortable. It got like that when long silences and fear hung above your head. The door swung open, a breeze pouring through as the rushed form of Ebel crashed into the room. The breeze offered no respite, as you had hoped it would when you saw your friend. Instead, it brought anxiety, as Ebel did not look as confident and collected as he had a tendency to be. Linelm! Oh, help me, Overseer! You didn't kill him, did you? The elf looked slightly different. The blue streaks in his hair were now much thicker, completely covering the left side of his head. He stepped past you, gently squeezing your shoulder as if to bring comfort, to help you realize that it was not just you against the entire world. You had Ebel as well. The overseer shook his head slowly, tapping his fingers on the table in time with the dripping of the silver blood. You know I cannot do that, Ebel. If you had did as I had asked, this would have not been a problem. Your brother was always such a good listener. Why could you have not been more like him? The elf looked up, a half-crazed look in his eye. He slammed his fist against the table, causing Linelm to stir, his eyes fluttering open for a moment, a golden crimson color before they shut again. You, you bastard! You, you wish to kill my brother, my flesh and blood! You impotent fool, do you understand what sort of beast you are? Ebel began to stand before the overseer held up a finger, a silver and blue ribbon forming from the air, tied to Linelm's chest. The elf stared for a moment before sinking his shoulders down, getting to work to treat Linelm's wounds, whispering things to him. It's, it's all right, Linelm. Breathe. It's, it's okay to breathe. Henrin belched after slamming back his drink. Wiping his mouth, he looked from Linelm to the overseer, squinting. Just kill him and be done with it. He's sick. It would be doing us and the world a favor. The dwarf began to stand, pulling a shard of blue glass from his bag, smirking as he looked to the defeated form of Linelm. But you didn't give him that chance. Your hand reached towards the sky, your green painted fingernails dancing in the light as your fingers conduct movements to an unseen army. The throne room, while disconnected from the rest of the bulwark, was surrounded by large windows, each one with massive hanging baskets of plants. The windows shattered, bits of glass and metal twisting, firing out like rocks flung by trolls. The world heard whispers, angry feelings before a familiar sight, a very unpleasant one for Henrin, met you in the form of plants. Hundreds of hanging plants, budding flowers, and thick vines snaked through the frames like soldiers striking Henrin, throwing him back to his chair before binding him there. The vines continued to tighten as Henrin's fingers moved, attempting to conduct the shattered glass to cut at the vines, but it was to no avail. You were more powerful. It wasn't a fair fight. That's when you were possessed by a thought. You could end him. He was weak, annoying, a blissfully ignorant idiot. The hand would just be as strong without its pinky. 
Your fingers curled inward, making fists as you stepped forward, the vines around Hendren's neck shifting, transforming into mushrooms, mushrooms that dug into his skin, that bit down, holding tight before it released a burst of color, magic, spores that Henrin began to breathe in. Yet something tugged at the back of your mind before you were pulled down fully, before you ended his life, colors flowing from a brush wielded by a calm-looking minotaur. Eden. He raised his hand, nodding slowly. He seemed to be telling you that you had made your point, that it was okay. The grip on Henrin loosened, the dwarf falling to the ground, holding his neck, coughing. You, you, you bitch! You think you can just walk in, not, not say a damn thing during these meetings week after week and then attack me? Do that again, now that the element of surprise is gone. I won't make the same mistake. <clears throat> Henrin begins to cough, heavier this time, as he places a hand on the table to support himself. After a fit, he finally clears his throat, spitting out a chunk of mushroom, the color in his face draining as he sat down. Throughout all of this, the overseer stared at you, his face still hidden by his hood. He never did anything like that. I was right about you. What did that mean? You, you sat, embarrassed, as the plants sulked away, returning to their posts, as Senner and Henren began to repair the windows with their magic. You wanted to disappear, to hide. That, that wasn't you. You weren't like this, usually. What, what got over you? Like, like a voice whispering to you, begging for you to give in. You, you almost listened. You almost fell. But you weren't given much time to process these thoughts as the overseer began to speak once more, demanding attention as Ebel continued to care for Linelm next to you. He seemed unbothered by your display of power, absorbed in his work with the ethereal, bandaging up his wounds before removing a vial of orange liquid from a small sleeve. Usually I would wait until prying ears have left us, but it seems Linelm cannot listen, and I know Ebel will not share. Our journey is nearly complete. I have found a body from a Jidlis. Ebel grew rigid, still focusing on his work, but his movements were slower. But this was good, right? Once Majidlis returned, it would only be a matter of time before your wish was made true. You could finally return home, and this time, you'd be with your love. You began to daydream, thinking of dancing through the streets of Aganon with Marlin, picking fruit from the trees and staring up at the stars at night. You thought of long mornings staying indoors, evenings filled with baking, afternoons and picnics, and a burst of hot liquid struck your knee. You nearly yelped, looking over to see the cause. Ebel had missed Linelm's arm, injecting this liquid underneath the table as he whispered over and over. Trust him. He is your friend, and so are his friends. Anyone he trusts, you will trust. And, and more than anything, remember, trust them completely, and do not rest until they trust you. Trust them, have them trust you. Over and over, he whispered these phrases, whispering only loud enough for you and Linelm to hear. The overseer continued talking, unbothered by your interruption. 
Hux will take Marlin to encounter him in the next few years. Until then, Ego will learn all there is to know about him. When the time comes, do not disappoint me, tiefling. Hux looked from you to the overseer with a smirk. It would seem that both of you missed something. Gladly. So I trust that we are dismissed? The rest of the night was a blur, as you walked from the winding hallways of the bulwark towards your room. Entering it, it no longer felt warm, no longer inviting. There was so much going on, so many intricate details thrust in your face, and all you wanted now was to go back home, to live a quiet life, to be happy. It had taken losing your home to find it again, but now you didn't feel quite like yourself. You laid down to rest under the canopy of your bed. The patterns on your bedroom wall seemed to be swirling today, inviting you to watch as scenes of grandeur unfolded. But you didn't really care. Your eyes shut slowly as the patterns on the wall failed to entice you. It had been a week and a half. You hadn't left your room. There was no reason to. Marlin was gone, your garden took care of itself, listening to your thoughts, caring for each other as you would take care of them. Someone had knocked on your door twice this week. You thought it to be Ebel, the way that he knocked, but you couldn't bring yourself to get up, to trudge across the stained hardwood floor to let him in. So unlike him, though, to be on this side of the bulwark. Maybe you were forgetting something. But tonight, there was another knock on your door. This one was special. It felt familiar. You sprung from your blanketed prison and ran to throw it open. And there was Marlin, his hair sort of shaggy, his beard growing in, and his hat in his hand. You, uh, you got room for another in this ballroom? You cocked your head, confused as you took his hand, inviting him in. That's when Marlin began to hum, stepping towards you, placing his hand on your hip, stepping and pulling you with him as he started to sing. The heavy steps of his boots conducting music through your room, as if he were activating some spell cast into the very wood and walls. You danced and danced, mauve carnations climbing up the wall, petals of jasmine skipping in their wake. The flowers sang for you, whispering sweet nothings as Marlin did the same. The feeling of his collar pressed against your face felt so soft, warm, like a blanket wrapped around your form. You didn't remember when he left, when he slipped out the door, being captured by the call of his next mission. But he left you wrapped in your blankets, laying to rest under the canopy of your bed. The patterns on your bedroom wall danced, surrounding the flowers you grew amidst your dance. You awoke. The flowers gone, your head tucked way under the covers, and the patterns on the wall were still. Once again, there was a knock on the door, the, the one that had knocked twice before since you laid to rest. The door crept open as you pulled on the knob, inviting your guest in. Ebel looked at you with concern, placing his cold hand on your forehead, sighing as he gave you a vial of blue liquid. I, I hope you're feeling better. It, it, it seemed like you were really out of it. 
Such displays of magical strength will do that to a person, no? Ebel leaned down, picking up the trail of blankets that flowed behind you like a gown. He handed you one of your sweaters, olive green with yellow accents, and your favorite pair of overalls. You changed, struggling to remember why Ebel was here before it hit you. You were going to visit a grave. Tell me, are, are you ready? You nodded, holding on to the hem of his coat as a doorway appeared before you. New greens meeting you, new plants, new whispers. The world around you reminded you of home, or perhaps what home would be after years of ruin. This eco-brutalism broken down by years of rain and wear, thickets filled with insects and small animals calling out to each other in a dance. You walked alongside Ebel through this forest, the trees calling to you, asking why you were here, warning you of dangerous things sealed inside, but you were the forest. You were all things, sealer, strength, and nature. When you walked with Ebel, you felt powerful. He seemed nervous, staring dead ahead as you approached a ring of trees, no light passing through with small bursts of freshly planted agraminia and blackberry bushes. Here, twenty feet away from this ring, Ebel stops and slowly turns, looking to you with sadness in his eye. His head leaned upwards, wiping, nearly tearing his blue and yellow eyeliner from his face before he looked down, hiding his eyes as he blinked. It looked like he was crying. You reached out, attempting to place a hand on his shoulder, but he stepped back, holding up his own. Uh, I'm sorry, this is, this is hard for me, I... Ebel looked up, tears streaming down his cheeks before he laughs, a sort of guttural cry. I had, I had not planned to get attached. You, you just were such a gentle soul, and... He trailed off, attempting to regain his composure, and you took this time to leap forward, throwing your arms around him, holding him tight, assuring him that it was going to be okay. It was always hard to visit the graves of the people you love, and you understood that. You were here for him. Ebel was... Shocked at first, but soon he returned the embrace. His grip was tight and only grew tighter, the feeling of his hot breath on your neck, sending a slight chill down your spine as you attempted to wiggle free, his grip growing tighter and tighter. Oh, 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 oh gods, I'm, I'm sorry. Ebel released his grip, stepping backwards, taking a deep breath, his hands shaking. He seemed taller, bigger, ever so slightly, but he didn't turn back to meet your gaze. He simply balled up his fists and walked towards the wall of trees. Thank you, friend. I, I would ask you, after I enter the thicket, cast your sealing magic. You will not lock me away. My magic will allow me to leave as... We have come here, but this grave must remain undisturbed. There are watching eyes, tightening grips, so, so please, friend, do it for me. Of course, of course you would do this for your friend, if this is where his brother was laid to rest. He deserved to rest in peace. Ebel heaved a sigh before he slipped through a small crack in the trees, disappearing into the darkness beyond. It had been a few hours. 
you had planted more bushes, more berries, and casted more wards in preparation for your sealing spell. It, it was overkill. You had never done anything as powerful as this, but this seemed to be so important to Evel. So you had to. For him. The forest had grown quiet as you worked. You felt strange, as if something was watching you, but you ignored it, planting your feet onto the rocky ground, shutting your eyes tight as you began to seal. The wind picked up, rushing past your pointed ears, throwing your long, curly hair backwards. You raised your hands towards the circle of trees and began to speak. Tongues not yet created, poetry not yet mourned over it, spilled from you like a bubbling brook. The forest was magic, and you were the forest. You willed yourself to be cut away, to, to seal in this memoriam. Yet as you cast the spell and focused on the ring of trees, it felt off. The majority of the fortification already set was inward, as if keeping something in rather than keeping something out. Your curiosity got the better of you, and you pushed past the already set barrier, allowing a small crack to see what was inside. There was an eye, closed with tan skin surrounding it, bursts of dirty blonde hair moving as if along with his breath. Whatever was in there, it was resting. It almost seemed at peace. But you wanted to see more, to know more. You continued to unwind the binds, stretching the gap a little wider, a little longer. The eye opened, golden, black, speckles of red. It stared at you, piercing your mind. You couldn't move. Black ichor seeped from the eye's tear ducts, slowly inching its way towards your mind. There were whispers growing louder, a, a voice battering the inside of your head, attempting to lower your guard even further. You felt powerless. You, the wielder of a magic of a long-forgotten god. All you could do was watch in horror as the gap grew wider, stretched open by the Ikor, a smiling face with jagged teeth revealed as he slowly inched forward. As if dragging himself with his arms, he was getting closer, faster, more powerful. He was standing, he was walking, he was running. It wasn't fair. How could this be how it ended? But the gap closed, the magic etched together by another blot of Ikor, a new voice added to the whispers, to the screams. You gasp, your eyes open to the world, and you look around. The trees are still sealed shut. There was a large oak tree with a hollowed middle. There were the blackberry bushes. There was the rocky ground beneath your feet that had begun to swallow you up, creeping up your boots. The sun cast long beams through the tops of the trees. With a start, you look down. The very stone that you had been standing on was climbing, threatening to turn you. You tried to move, but your long leather boots were stuck as the transformation continued to rise. You struggled to kick off your boots, jumping backwards as the transformation ceased. Your boots laid still, stuck to the ground, now completely stone. This was not of whatever was locked inside. This was something else. 
A blow to the side of your head caused you to fall, your ears ringing, your vision blurred as you fell into a sunbeam. Blinking, reeling, you try to sit up but are struck again by a bald fist. You threw your hands up, attempting to protect your face as you tried to call to the forest to beg it for aid. And the forest answered your call, throwing off your attacker, thrusting their body into the oak tree. You stood, coming face to face with your opponent. And before you was a purple tiefling, just a bit shorter than you, with short black hair tucked behind her horns. She looked at you, hatred in her gray eyes as she screamed, spells flying as she ran towards you. Your body moved on its own. The forest began to cast magic for you. On Tano, to counter the firebolt, a shield of branches to defend from the hail of stones, whispery leaf spirits to stifle the stone golems that rushed forward. It only left you and her. You and Hux. You struck each other, neither one gaining the upper hand as you rolled across the ground, throwing punches, biting, kicking. It seemed to go on for hours, this game of strength. You didn't even know why this was happening, why Hux was trying to kill you. But the forest came to your aid. Your magic outpowered her, soon moving on to the tiefling herself. Vines wrapping around her legs, her wrists. You flip one last time, sitting on her stomach as you bring your hands down to wrap around her throat. You didn't want to kill her, but she needed to be knocked out. You needed to breathe. Hux did not go lightly, trying to break free, trying to bite, to spit. Yet her fight was slowly leaving her. She stopped resisting. She merely spoke. You... you killed... Marlin. Your world broke. You killed Marlin? No, no. What did she mean? You, you let go of her neck, pinning her shoulders down, staring as you screamed, as you begged, please, please tell me what happened to Marlin. With tears running down her face, Hux thrust her head back, shutting her eyes tight. He, he was worried sick about you after your outburst. I, I know I shouldn't have told him, but he was so worried. I, I couldn't bear to see him like that. He, he couldn't sleep. He, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink. He just, he just wanted to get the mission done as quickly as possible. But it was his downfall. He moved slower than he ever has, and I... I couldn't save him when the Goliath brought down his club. Hux continued to sob. You sank backwards, the vines releasing Hux as you fell to the ground. No. No, this this isn't fair. You weren't ready for this. For th this type of news? This sort of thing wasn't in the cards. It, it wasn't written in the sky. What, why would this happen? Why would Marlin worry so much? You, You killed him. Gods, you... you killed him. As you attempted to process this information, Hux stood, wiping tears from her cheeks. She looked at you in disgust, before bringing her boot to strike your face once more. It isn't fair. Why would he love you? She stomped down on your arm. Am I not beautiful? Would he love me if my hair was crimson, if I was a gardener? She slammed her knee into your chest. What do you have that I do not, you worthless high elf? She continued to strike against you. You couldn't do anything to stop it. Your mind was broken. 
Your body did not respond. The light was fading. The sounds as well. You were wilting away. Yet a sound cut through the forest. It was disgusting. A screech, a yelp. Suddenly, Hux was not on top of you as a mass of wind flew by your face. A large thud rang through the forest as you looked to your left. Hux was slowly getting up, a massive gash in the tree she was just thrust into, blood pouring from her cheek. You weren't sure how it happened. It, it wasn't you. You looked to your right and saw a pair of leather boots. Following them upwards, you saw the clothes of your friend, Ebel. Yet, his face was not his. Perhaps your mind was too clouded after being struck so much, but he looked terrifying. He, he had fangs, jagged teeth, his skin was pale. He leapt forward as Hux rolled to the side, narrowly dodging the strike that felled the mighty tree. Ebel turned towards the tiefling and roared. You couldn't stay awake. The darkness approached. Sweet sleep drew you in, invited you to try and dream, to hopefully wake up back in Agonon amidst your plants. You were ready. It was time to go home. Hux had never been so scared. Her body shook, her mind was racing. What was that thing? She had successfully escaped, running through the trees, opening a portal back to the bulwark. Blood dripped down her face as she cradled her broken arm while pushing the ajar door to the library open. Marlin sat, shuffling his cards, staring out into the distance, whistling to himself. At the approaching sound, he stood and started to turn. <laughs> About time you got here, sunshine. Here, let, let's play a game. I, I think I'll have you... The cowboy cut himself short, rushing towards Hux, helping her into a seat. Uh, Hux, oh, oh my god, oh my god. Okay, hold on, let's, let's just take a second, let's breathe. Are you, are you alright? What happened? The tiefling loved the attention. She looked at Marlin, butterflies in her stomach, as her words were caught in her throat for a moment. She wanted to smile, to lean forward, to kiss him. But she knew what she had to do. She would have her cowboy's heart yet. Marlin, he, he killed them, he killed them! She began to weep, her body shaking as Marlin's grip grew tighter. Who? Hux, you, you gotta take a deep breath, calm down, tell me. Who killed who? Are, are you okay? What? Hux broke away for a moment, as if gathering the courage to speak. She turned back, unable to look Marlin in the eye as she stared at his lips. The, the thumb, Marlin. Ebel transformed into some sort of beast. He, he killed them. Ebel killed the gardener. He, he destroyed them, consuming their flesh, breaking their bones. I... I, I tried to stop him. I, I did everything I could. No. No, 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 no. No. Sunshine. Alia. 
Hux wrapped her arm around Marlin, bringing him in tight as he sobbed over his love. She would be his comfort. She would be his love. Alia no longer. Hux would be Marlin's sunshine. It's morning. The soft call of the birds pierce the gently swaying linens, the line the open window to your room. You'd been aware, up for hours, the air was a bit too hot to be comfortable. See, it got like that this time of year when the sun hung in the sky for a bit too long and the clouds seemed to keep their distance. The breeze offered no respite, as you had hoped it would when you had opened your window. Instead, it brought a dryness easily cured by a tall tankard of water. You stared out to the rest of the island. It had become a familiar sight, your garden spanning out towards the sea, your small rowboat docked at the pier you had built last year. You had no visitors, only trespassers. Getting ready for the day, you throw on your overalls over a green shirt with yellow accents putting your hair up in a bun as you walk down the path to your garden, your fingers trailing against the sign as you enter. Marlin's Garden. <laughs> <laughs> 